Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, I'm Baritone KC. And I'm Tyler. And I'm Hunter. And you're listening to The Element Podcast. in these headphones that's for sure <laughs> what is happening y'all guess what? what it is 2022 it is isn't it wild yeah i know that gummit dude i remember uh like Yesterday. back in the single digits you know and then here it is 2022 golly yeah, it's wild we are headed home from uh uh some state we sound tired okie homie yeah we do sound tired and a little sick we don't know what's going on but man we are probably sicker this year than we were last year. Oh. We got pretty sick last year <clears throat> yeah. during hunting season. Pretty sure I've had COVID twice this year already. Yep. Uh, so uh, I have got something, probably what you have. Eric has got it. Hunter seems to be well, Yep. at least in the sense of that. I've got some hypotheses as to why he wouldn't get it. <laughs> I got some, the, too. Uh, the Dr. Peppers. <laughs> I think it's the yep. government government employee stuff, Dr. you Pepper know. Dr. a day. Mandates and all. But uh, <clears throat> mm, Sorry. Yeah, we are headed back from Oklahoma. Um, a little heavier than we left. Ooh, Ooh in so, many ways. That's right. <laughs> that's right. It's been it's been a good time. We almost ate pizza twice yesterday. Oh my goodness, we did. That was fun. Mm. I gotta put on my sunshades. It Do you mind blasting. if I put some air on? No, that's fine. All right. uh, you it's have a little a, toasty uh, up in here. Oh, look, I got my own. You, well, you got your own temperature yeah, adjustment. Just, it's not blowing. There you go. Oh there yeah, go. perfect. Yeah. yeah. All right. Look Blow at these wheat fields, man. I know, dude. Green. It's wheat. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's good wheat. Yeah. Uh, recently, we uh, did a podcast that was kind of a late season Q&A, and then uh, kind of, oh my goodness. What is going on? Your phone's going Where off. is my phone? I don't know. It's connected to that thing. I tried to turn it down. Wow. Sorry. Wife uh, missed me. That's right. Just barely. Uh, did a late season Q&A podcast recently, and then we actually went and did a little late season hunting. Uh, Hunter and I were... Um, the hunters, I guess you could call us HKTK. Uh, 
or HKTH, um, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Call me TK for sure. That's kind of how I feel most of the time. Mind is sharp this morning. That's right. I'm fuzzy, guys, because <laughs> we had to outrun a blizzard <coughs> and got up at 4 a.m. to yep. head home. And I've been driving through wintry mix for about three and a half hours. And the last little bit of time here has not been quite as bad. We're almost home. So, um, anyways, we had Tyler and Eric up there to help us do some. Some filming. Eric's in the other car, so you won't hear much from him. If he yeah. was here on the podcast, you wouldn't hear much from him anyway. He's kind of, <laughs> kind of a quiet guy, but what he has to say is good. Uh, yeah. So uh, we just thought we'd probably talk a little bit about what we got going on. Yeah. First off, though, um, you've got a video that's fixing to come out that's going to be pretty sweet. I do, yeah. It's coming out on my personal channel, <laughs> The Element. Uh, <laughs> it's... Uh, it's a Colorado buck, and I don't mean the guy with the black beard and the blonde hair. Um, it's a buck that I shot in Colorado on public land, and I'm pretty excited about it. Actually, there's been some excitement around this Colorado series. It's it's interesting to me uh, that you don't hear a whole lot about, and maybe that's why people are excited, but you don't hear a whole lot about whitetail hunting in Colorado. And maybe people have been interested or are interested and want to see more about that, I guess. But there's been a lot of eager comments i would say in the youtube videos that have thus released um and there are two of those and we had some pretty good action so if you haven't watched those go uh brush up on that before this video releases um i'm not sure when this podcast is releasing kc is going to be working on it and figuring that out probably first week of the year but video might release before the podcast either way you need to be on the channel yep yeah you need to be subscribed and notified let me tell you this (laughs) if you haven't hit the bell for notifications then you will not see when we post new videos and i've got people that have been have texted me recently and said man i'm subscribed to y'all's channel and i hadn't seen nothing new from y'all in months and it's wild but if you go through and look at all the channels you subscribe to like there's channels that release videos every day every week whatever that you hadn't seen nothing from it forever and they're at the bottom of your subscriptions list yeah youtube does that for some reason and they'll try to put you on some whack track watching boxing or something like that when really what you want to be watching is hunting and then next thing you know all you get is suggested boxing videos come on youtube come on man come on man anyway that uh video is coming out soon so you need to go check it out um and then we might possibly have just made more videos uh, I'm sure some videography took place because I was a part of it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we, uh, we're we going to have a little bit of stuff coming out from Oklahoma, some public land stuff. I actually, um, this has been a unique year for us because you and I killed deer in Kansas um, the first week of November. Well, fairly. So, fairly, like the first trip up there at least. So <coughs> we... Uh, Sorry, y'all. I'm just going to cough some through this podcast, and I'm not going to edit all of them out, so it's just going to be the way it is. Yeah. But um, we uh, had, like, some freedom to kind of explore and do different stuff uh, elsewhere in the world, right? You went and bought a uh, tag in Arkansas. Uh-huh. Right? Six of them. Six of them. Yeah. Hot diggity dogs. Yeah. I bought six tags. I what I was Okiomis. thinking. I should have bought a five-day yeah well uh so we've been doing hunting all around you you hunted south texas too like Mm -hmm. it's uh it's been a lot of fun and then hunter actually uh i think you started off the oklahoma train this year didn't you i did then uh well the same time y'all were up in kansas yeah that's right 
Well, we so no, because you killed your East Texas buck on the third, uh, I believe. It's not third or fourth. I think and it was then, the third. That's right. That went, was. That's right. Because I killed like a day or two after y'all left, and then I went back. Uh, I didn't go back, but I went to Oklahoma while y'all were still in Kansas. Yeah, yeah that's right. Just lining them up. You Did know? you want to talk about this? Is something KC and I talked about before, but like. This is tough when you're in a, one state trying to kill a deer, but you also care about helping your buddy. Oh, man. Dude, it is tough to, to really be a good help. You know what yes. I mean? Because you're, like, just trying to survive. These trips are are uh, not always easy. We are mm-hmm. camping in parking lots and, <laughs> you know, at dead-end boat ramps and whatever else, just trying to survive out of the back of our truck. We talked about this on the way uh, home well, maybe we talked. No, we talked about it last night, you and I did, KC. But just being able to spread your gear out is such a big help. Yeah, man. it doesn't happen very often, man. Especially when you live in motel life or any of that kind of stuff. <clears throat> I uh, spilled a whole pot of spaghetti on my tailgate whenever uh, Eric and I were in Oklahoma, <laughs> and uh, had to eat it because what else are you going to do with oh. it? So I picked it all up and <laughs> ate it. And, uh, <laughs> so Hunter went up there and had a really good hunt, kind of really peak rut. Um, you saw quite a few deer. Uh, learned some stuff. Some big bucks. And man. then I went up directly, like five days later, mm-hmm. kind of uh, not really what you call post rut because it's a little bit different whenever you're in the south. Um, there's still plenty of rut activity, you know, from the 15th on, really the whole month of November. And even while we were there this time, you still mm-hmm. saw some stuff. <laughs> but um, I didn't have. I didn't see the same kind of stuff Hunter did. I, I, I had to work around, work, find some new properties, and find the new pattern altogether. Yeah, because you, you, he sent you a couple of properties that were like fire for him yeah. early on. And I went and didn't see any deer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's wild how things can change that quick. I know man. it. I know it. And uh, we're still trying to build a trust relationship between me and Hunter, so <laughs> not quite sure <laughs> what that all entailed, but... Um, Either way, I showed him some of my spots this time, uh, so I guess we're we're even because I've seen somewhere he didn't see, didn't yeah. see anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, did you uh, do you think you could have <laughs> killed on that first trip? No doubt in your mind with a cameraman guy. Oh yeah, I, I could have uh, killed at least twice. Yeah. No, no doubt. It was just down to the wire of me trying to juggle my bow and the camera and the GoPro with. Uh, with a deer coming in, you know, yeah, at twenty five yards. The self filming game's tough when, especially when Hunter, on the ground, especially on the ground. Yeah, oh yeah, for that's sure. where all my stuff mostly was. Was the the first trip was was on the ground. Yeah. Well, when Hunter first showed interest in doing this kind of thing, I was like, man, are you sure? Because yeah. you're gonna have some things that you really would like to go your way not go your way and there's going to be some deer that should be dead that aren't so i guess the point is um hint hint we might need a cameraman (laughs) for next year that's right Uh, i mean eric the plan is to have him here but we're thinking about another intern position and stuff uh if you are smart free scheduled and willing to just eat wheat bread um Send us a message. But <laughs> yeah. We, uh, um, I went back up there by myself and had a tough hunt. 
related a lot back to moon i think we talked about that on the podcast i think the moon had a lot to do with it which is weird because i've never been a moon guy Mm. um but definitely didn't see midday movement that's for sure uh it was uh one of those deals where it's weird where the mornings were good and the evenings were terrible um you know it's kind of hot yeah not hot but not like not good weather was that in arkansas or Colorado. Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't we that We kind of ran into that, though, this trip. <laughs> yeah. Mornings were, were real good, and mm-hmm. evenings just petered out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Till the, till the fifth evening. Give me that. Bro. Yeah. Um, so, uh, <laughs> one of the things that seemed to be a motif of, like, hunting in Oklahoma was that you could learn information from the first go-around, but the next time you're up there, it's some of it applies, but most of it you have to relearn. It's kind of cool um, <laughs> that we had we kind of had this opportunity. We, we talked about in Kansas some, where um, we were there so long, we had opportunity to like see the rut change a little mm-hmm. bit. And I think we kind of had, an, or you guys at least had an opportunity to see the season change um, and like the different habits of deer throughout those different points of the season. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's one thing. Like. In Kansas, I feel like sometimes um, there are definitely changes, but, like, it's so open and so difficult mm-hmm. that, like, it, you almost make – it almost is hard to see patterns change. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the deer are just going to relate to certain things that they relate to or not or whatever. You know, it could be wide open just walking across pasture on in September or in December. And I think that's one thing that maybe makes it a little – like for me going to Illinois, I would feel maybe better about particular windows. Deer doing a particular thing, so such as last year when I shot that deer at a scrape in late October on mm-hmm. a cold front, and then the next week go sit in a funnel and have tons of bucks walk go by you in the, maybe in the middle of the day. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's uh, it, we don't see that as much in, in Kansas at least. I feel like, and lo- in Oklahoma, you know, we're co- pretty good ways away. Um, things are different the habitat's a lot different a lot more cover and i think you've got you can kind of see where um throughout the season different habits Mm -hmm. that you would like habitual or you would like traditionally hear about on Mm -hmm. you know deer hunting podcasts or in deer hunting literature or whatever and in this deal there's like there's some givens that are always going to be or constants or whatever you want to call them that are always going to happen and then there's variables between different areas right and this deal with Oklahoma is that in the late season they're going to be going for food mm-hmm. because they're kind of cold they're pretty hungry they just got over the rut and it's going to be that way about near everywhere you go um, but the difference in like a Kansas and Oklahoma is that like um, in Oklahoma sometimes they can just bed within 200 yards of the food yeah. and do that on private land and you just sorry no chance mm-hmm. you know uh, Hunter ran into that I think and, mm-hmm. right where we went up there the first evening and uh, got there in time to hunt or scout or whatever you want to call it and uh, w- what did you see Eric and I got set up on a really nice glassing point over uh, some wheat and had some does come in filtered through eating some sumac berries and a uh, they had a real nice eight point with them too but they just staged up 10 yards you know on the other side of private or on on private and stayed there until evening just waiting it's kind of like a transition or a a staging area before they go to feed Mm -hmm. uh, in the dark and i don't know if that's just the time of year it is or if that property's had pressure 
to to teach those deer to do that, you know, at this time of year or mm-hmm. whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was just very unevent- very uneventful. And then Eric and I tried to hunt that deer some more and just had the same uh, same outcome. He yeah. was big. Well, I think you just needed some weather. Yeah, something yeah, to get them on their feet and, earlier. And it just that didn't really happen until when we left. And uh, truth be told, I'm fine not hunting in that stuff. So you want to turn around? <laughs> not too much. Not too much at all. But I mean, it, it's still the constant is there where they're going to go to food, and you just got to figure out how to get between them and the food. And sometimes that distance was real short, and uh, it's kind of hard to make happen. Yeah, it, it's very interesting to me that like um, even a mature buck would potentially in their in the in the late season will um like bed fairly close to food Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that's something i feel like that uh it and this also also the variable uh that plays into this is like in oklahoma there's a short rifle season and we're a pretty good ways from that rifle season right now Uh you know like a few weeks from from that season so these deer have had a lot of time to calm back down and i think if you see you see that play out in other states possibly where there's a short rifle season you're a month or so past that that season um i mean after rifle the pressure in most states when you get to december just starts to dwindle uh, from a hunting pressure standpoint so not that those deer won't kind of stay in the same habits that they were when it was we were pressured but if their food source changes because things are dying more and they're only they only have x ag field to, that can really feed them or you know some of the things we're going to talk about that we saw are natural food sources here on this podcast like then they're gonna they could possibly you know change their their habits and be you know pretty lazy about it because there's nothing keeping them there's nobody walking around in the woods anymore really you know uh-huh. uh that's that's really you know and i think also we we, we saw some duck hunters um and y'all seen that up there i think that deer can tell the difference in uh well let me let me give a caveat but i think deer can tell the difference in a duck hunter and a deer hunter and one big difference is a duck hunter shoots a loud gun a bunch of times and talks and stuff like that and a deer hunter ends up being a guy that the deer smells at 40 yards and goes what in the world is sitting right here beside me like this Mm -hmm. is freaking me out you know what i mean so there's a difference because the duck hunter lets the deer hunter the deer know that he's there a lot of times before mm-hmm. a deer hunter will you know we get a little more close to the deer sometimes than than uh they would like before they know that we're there so i think that's the difference in the pressure and so uh you, you know, see that a lot in urban hunting you know yeah yeah the deer are familiar with people just walking by but as soon as you get in a tree 10 yards in the woods yeah they get spooky they know the difference in you know 30 yards or whatever oh, yeah. the smell you know I, I think there's a difference in rifle hunting pressure and bow hunting pressure yeah because with rifle hunting you're backed off most of the time you're backed off of a food source a, a decent ways uh but when you're bow hunting man you're you're in the draw you're spooking these deer from 20 yards away or 80 yards if they're winding you mm-hmm. it's just a lot harder bump than it is if uh if you're rifle hunting i think i think you're right i think that's why also i think after rifle even the bow hunters kind of stop hunting as much and so that's why what's that everybody likes to oh heck yeah dude i mean it's tough to get out there in the cold late season and sit where with a bow in an open air stand you know 
and I think, but I think that's why you see like from kind of once Bo starts ramping up in like mid late October, all the way to December, pretty much, you see this pressured the way that pressured deer behave. You know, of course, the rut changes things a little bit, like the heat of the rut, mm-hmm. but you see them like feel that pressure, and then after that. You know, after rifle, like once rifle hits, bow hunters, a lot of them are like, oh, I'm so tired of this, all these pumpkin patch, you know, whatever they say, you know, and then that like knocks a lot of bow hunters out. And then Thanksgiving, Christmas, all these things start to happen and dudes will just get out of the woods mm-hmm. pretty much for the rest of the year. But we don't care about our family, so we go hunting anyways, so it's not a, not a problem for us. <laughs> That's just a joke. But uh, I, one of the things that um, is another deal, like with the difference in the pressures is that the pressure from rifle hunting is literally taking animals off the landscape. Yes. That's a big issue. Like, you, you, you have rifle season where they run in there and shoot, you know, four of the five mature bucks that are using this property, even if there's that many. You know, it's kind of a it's a pretty good number. But um, whereas bow hunting, it's like that interaction type pressure, like you were talking yeah. about, or, you know, like, in, and that's something you have to watch out for. But, well, and when somebody takes a deer... They don't typically go tiptoeing around after dark, yeah. putting the deer in the back of the truck. They just do whatever they got to do, and they slam doors and they talk yeehaw. and yeehaw and everything. Yeah. So, I think that like there's there's that too when dudes are out there shooting deer, which mm-hmm. rifles are pretty effective at killing deer. They are, man. But somebody sent us a message on that live feed the other day asking, you know, they're a new hunter, like what you know, what's something you could do, you know, what's some advice. Uh, and I don't think we said that, but maybe to Texas. But yeah, we got eight weeks of rifle. Perfect. Yeah, except no public land, especially <laughs> none that you can use a rifle on. So yeah. Um, but that would be another bit of advice. Like if you want to kill some deer, you know, pick up a gun and do it because mm-hmm. man, it's pretty. We talked about that this week, so like if you can see them, for the most part, you, you can, can pull it off. If you practice your shooting. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. I mean, I like. Uh, I like. Uh, shooting quail mm-hmm. a bunch of them yeah, when oh, i yeah. go shooting them you know what i mean mm-hmm. so that's kind of the same thing like it, it, it's fun to shoot deer i mean we can we can get all bow hunting challenge i love to challenge myself oh and yeah all stuff, challenge you know? but i think that and I, I do but you know i think that uh it i'm not a professional quail hunter yeah not, not that i'm a professional deer hunter but i i deer hunt a lot mm-hmm. a lot more than i hunt quail and so you know I decided that I would challenge myself that way. It's yeah. like when I decided I really want to be mad at the world and start fly fishing. <laughs> yep, it's a good way to just be mad. <laughs> Small creeks, especially. And, um, so one of the things I want to talk about on this podcast some <laughs> is is like uh, podcasts are cliche. I don't know if y'all realize that, so I'm just going to say cliche things instead of trying to be cool because okay. I'm, I'm fuzzy today. But putting pieces together, which was a big part of of success on this trip yeah um it was it was pretty hard to put all the pieces together and every time i've been up there you had to restart pretty much because of different variables here while back it was cows this go around it was you know the lack of rut and the lack of good temperatures um lack of deer even you know mm-hmm. um hunter you kind of had you were just there twice right you didn't go in the any middle trip like i did no, um, no, and sure. So for you is even probably more night and day on like different crazy views. difference, yeah. crazy difference. Uh, How? If uh, I don't know how to word it, but uh, I wish it looked like last time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because yeah. this trip was rough. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a struggle bus. The uh, the first trip I went on, though, man, I of course I went last year two times too, 
and those were rough trips uh, just due to weather and then this year I didn't it blew my expectations out of the water. Only for, due to weather last time? Well, there were some technical <laughs> difficulties. Weather and water there. bottles. Weather and water bottles. Yeah. That was a big factor. <laughs> the uh, the hunting just, it, I really found some good stuff this year and was really impressed at how well it went, except for the, the self-filming part that was that was real rough, especially watching <coughs> like the biggest, you know, the biggest buck I've ever had in bow range. Uh hop the fence and head on about his business mm-hmm. and then i got to watch him i got some more footage of him you know i ran into him later in the evening we uh crossed paths again uh accidentally at about 60 yards 70 yards i got some more footage of him then so but this trip has been a big learning curve i think that uh, if i had to do it again i would i would push even I'd push either closer to food or further away. Yeah, yeah. That that medium range where you think, man, I, I can catch them right here, half a mile away. The I think those bucks are almost in two different stages right now. Like you've got some bucks that are way post rut; they're not even thinking about it. But then I saw some bucks yeah. engaging with those and fighting, and so I guess it, it gets very, very ecologically, you know, a small system. Mm. Uh, it depends from even draw to draw yeah it can vary across the property what you see uh in in the that's, behavior of those deer. the way the girls go so goes the way of the boys yeah. is what i yeah. think that's what you saying when i was turning it was like man we can write dude songs that are rock and roll or we could write girl songs and all the girls bring all the guys yeah, yeah. <laughs> to buy them stuff so we sell twice as many tickets that yeah. way yeah but, yeah, and that's a thing you see up there. I mean, um, I don't know. Do you have a particular style that's a little bit different than the way Tyler and I hunt? You're a big observation guy. Would you? Uh, yeah, he is for sure. Because the more you observe, the bigger you get. Um, do you, uh, <laughs> Especially after all them cocoa roos. Do you feel like that was the way to, like, uh, you know, retrospectively, would you still hunt that way this week? I would. I would I wouldn't have hunted the spots I hunted, but had I not done what I did, had I just gone and picked a tree and jumped in it without uh, an evening or a morning of glass and something, I would have been even more disappointed and likely gone the whole trip without ever seeing a deer. So I just think I need to work on my map stuff and uh, pick some better spots, maybe quit taking advice from uh, you know, Casey, yeah. other guys. Hey, we saw deer there. Yeah, so, so. that's that's kind of my take on it. Is yeah. is I observed and I saw deer. I just did not see, and there was a lot of spots I saw deer, but it wasn't either enough deer or the the quality of deer to get in there and to hang. And had I hung, there was a few places where I would not have seen what I what I did get to observe. That was something we were running into quite a bit, especially early on. It's like. Um, how many deer am I hunting right here? Exactly. That's, That's what I wanted to, deal to know yeah. when I was looking at, you know, if I'm looking at 800 or 1,000 acres or, or whatever the size is, if I'm looking at 80, you know, I, I want to know what I'm in there after. Yeah. I thought maybe just a morning session or an evening session would give me an idea of that. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it can sometimes. And i tell you what else can do that for you is trail cameras. 
Um, we actually deployed some shell cameras this week, uh, some Moultrie cell cams, and uh, it made a pretty big impact on the way we were hunting and places that we hunted. Um, these actually are some new cameras that we can't really tell you too much about, but they work real good. I'll just yep. say that. Um, they take some pretty pictures. I had one send me a picture of a doe while ago in the snowstorm, and she was crisp and clear. I bet she was real crisp Crispy. out there. Crispy. But uh, they, uh, that actually played a huge part into kind of Tyler and I putting pieces together. We went out the first evening and didn't see Jack Diddley at a place that um, we uh, I had hunted with Eric previously and, and had some good encounters and uh, decided, well, pulling a plug on that one and you know then it's kind of back to square one again you know everything i'd learned the trip before didn't mean nothing and uh well not everything but we bounced to some different spots and looked at some different things hung some hung some trail cameras around tyler and i decided to go hunt on the ground <clears throat> one spot um one morning and uh kind of hunt and scout we're gonna observe maybe try to cut a deer off it's headed back to bed we're you know we're kind of up in some hilly stuff and uh, then we're going to scout around. I'm going to show him some of the country and, uh, you know, see if we can maybe learn something about how to make a move on a deer. We, long story short, hike around a whole bunch, find some cool stuff. But really, it's a lot of rut sign, you know, and, and you want to try to interpret that stuff right. It's uh, a... <coughs> It's really not the best thing to do to be like, oh, man, look at all these rubs. It's December 26th. Let's hunt over these things. You know, it's just not something that's going to pay off a ton. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to you gotta read through that and decide, okay, that means there were some bucks here. Are they still here, and what are they doing now? Um, and on the way out, we found a bunch of tracks around a cattle water trough and said, man, it's pretty dry up here. It hadn't rained in a long time. Are these things coming down and watering in this thing like pretty often? So we decided to hang a camera on that thing. Sure enough, uh, we're seeing deer. And yeah. after that, it was just about having the right wind to, to hunt it. <coughs> so um, that's kind of a weird thing, too, is where like you figure something out, but then the wind doesn't cooperate for three days, and you're trying to weigh out this whole concept of should I push in and be real aggressive and hunt a just off wind, or should I wait on something that sets up good for both me and the deer? Yeah. But it may or may not ever come. Well, there's also the the thought that like you know, a camera can help you out tremendously like this, but um, also you're not getting the whole picture. You know, we've talked about it before. Uh -huh. So where that where is that deer actually coming from especially in this case where you've got like very specific places that the deer can walk in front of the camera uh -huh. you know what i mean so we're having to figure out like we're trying to figure out where the deer coming into this general area from are they coming and hooking into this little spot for you know and, and so that's that's one thing where you're like <clears throat> man could i make this this little wind right here work that doesn't seem good because actually they're coming from this side you know whatever <laughs> so that's that's things that we were trying to work through for a couple mm -hmm. of days until we knew for sure we had a good yeah. win. But we didn't we didn't end up doing anything major aggressive. We were pretty conservative. We were pretty conservative <clears throat> and, and uh, didn't end up going in there and hunting until later in the trip on that particular um, uh, pattern. But you found a pretty neat pattern while we were up there, Hunter. Which pattern was that? Well, many, did he you says, find more than one? He says many. Tell me, the oaks that were dropping? Oh, there was, there was yeah. the, the, the the elusive oak. Yeah, the elusive uh, acorn dropping oak of dropping that yellow, yellow gold. Yeah, the, the yellow ones. The, <laughs> I'm still not convinced. From, Just let it be known. Still not convinced. Ah, well, you just have to. There's I correlation. Guess, 
I just want to see a rooming. So Hunter came back yeah. one night and said we, uh, Eric that they yeah. had glassed some deer, multiple groups on multiple uh, different groves of trees that from afar looked like some oaks holding a few leaves. It's been real far. It looked like post oaks. It right? was very far. It, yeah. it, you know the I've Couple. got phone scope footage of in the that that spot and scope zoomed up to fifty power. Mm-hmm. The phone's on three, so like I've got some some distance out there. Looks like a few leaves on the trees still hanging on but it's actually not it was some soap berry trees and that was all of the seeds or the berries how did you figure out there were soap berries you oh okay i didn't remember i thought you might have looked it up or something no Hold i on. think i think kc we, or me kc uh, it was tyler yeah Both i don't remember us. i me and eric uh, they had to ask the ogs is what he's trying to say <laughs> yeah that's exactly what it was hey what are these grapes yep <laughs> <laughs> but the deer were actually. I think the four- Eric came. Eric got out of the gas at the gas pump and said, "What are these?" And I said, "They're soap berries." He goes, "That's what they are." Yeah. And then and then t- Casey ate one. Yeah, <laughs> don't do that, guys. It's bad. I didn't eat. The, I didn't actually ingest it. I just put it in my mouth. What and it, it taste straight like? up dial soap and it foams. How about it's that? wild. They named it Apple. It is weird, dude. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, apparently it's pretty poisonous. So that might be why Even I'm sick. Mm. <laughs> mm. But. but those trees were easily targeted by the deer that we mm-hmm. watched because we watched uh, several groups of deer, like I said, uh, do that. And that was the first thing when they got up out of bed was went to those trees and fed for 30-plus minutes. So in future, if I'm back up there again this time of year, I know where some of those trees are, especially the big groves. I, I, it seemed like they concentrated on those more than an inv- individual tree on a draw, and I think that's just, you know, those those. Uh, berries are so small. There's a lot more there. Here's my but, hypothesis. Yeah, let's talk hypothesis. about this, Casey. Oh. What do you assume they are doing under soapberry trees? I will believe because we also texted a biologist buddy, and he said yes, they will eat them and even even prefer them in certain situations. So if that is the case, it's because there's a drought and there's hardly anything else around. However, my hypothesis is that underneath those trees. Soapberries have very dense canopies whenever they um, are, are foliated, okay? So when they have leaves, they have very dense leaf thickets above in the top of the Not tree. Not exfoliated, but Not foliated. Not exfoliated, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> okay. um, zero sunlight gets to the ground. But then in the fall, they drop all their leaves. The, the ground becomes very fertile underneath the soapberries because of all the nutrients the nutrients that come from the leaves. And then... And the soapberries. <laughs> sunlight can get to bare dirt and green grass comes up beneath the soapberry trees where everywhere else doesn't have that green grass or at least copious amounts of it. So, so can I make my yes. observation here uh-huh. in this whole situation? I saw soapberry groves that had green grass under them. Uh-huh. And I saw soapberry groves that did not have green grass uh-huh. under them. And I saw deer feed under both circumstances. Uh-huh. So what does that mean? I'm with you. I don't mm-hmm. know. That's why I'm, I'm saying, that's why I say Thanks. I, I'm not um, I'm not discrediting it yet. Right. But, but here's what un- it means. It's unbelievable. But, but to me, it means Either way, 
We're targeting soap berries. The trees. Yes. Yeah. Groves uh-huh. of soap berries. Yeah. So it's a correlation versus causation thing. Yeah. And honestly, in deer hunting, there's a lot of. You them. don't really need causation. You just need correlation. Yeah. You need to know where the deer is. There's right? a lot of instances I think where correlation is not necessarily the correlation you think it is. Yeah. Guess what, guys? The moon is not pulling on deer like it's a tide. Okay. <laughs> it's not actually the moon <laughs> making the deer move. Right. It's just because he's got more light at night, right? So he can see at night. Dang, um, you're going to start a fire with Hunter. I will, dude. Yeah. No, I think Hunter's kind of... I mean, you don't think the moon actually is making the deer move, right? Like the the pull of it? Yeah. The, like the it's gravitational... Not a, it's, not, it's, no. not a, it's not a feeling the deer has because of the moon. It's just because of light. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. That's okay. exactly why I hunt the moon how I hunt it. Yeah. No, uh, that's not the only reason. Oh, I was just <laughs> <laughs> it gives you a real good reason to sleep in. Yes, that too. Uh, yeah, but which don't get me wrong. I mean, Hunter maybe sometimes you could uh, you could get away with that. I mean, Hunter has. He's yeah. he's killed some deer. So killed a Texas <laughs> Pokeland buck last year. Like that. That's right. Eleven p.m. 11 a.m. So Eleven a.m. Yeah. Can we please just have that sound clip? <laughs> 11 p.m. 11 p.m. Yep. 11 p.m. You get that moon up and you get that thermal works real good. That <laughs> gummit, that's funny. Um, so that was a pattern that, first of all, was completely unbelievable to me because soap berries are just disgusting, and I always assume nothing can pallet them. Not, I mean, you don't even see coon They got a big curds. old seed, too. They got a big old pit in there. Yeah, it's like a hard thing. and uh, But, I mean, Hunter and Eric have no reason to deceive us, so, like, why would I not believe them, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, super intelligent fellows and everything. So, yeah. like, there's got to be something there. Yeah. So, either way, we decide, hey, and you know what? Eric and I, on the trip before had seen that green grass underneath some of those groves of trees and were saying, man, I wonder if they come over and feed on yeah, this stuff. It's kind of one of those things that you're like, in, in a lot of landscapes, you would think, you wouldn't think twice about it because yeah. it's everywhere or whatever, mm-hmm. but in a drought situation, like you said earlier, yeah. which they have going on, it's, you know, it's something yeah. for sure. Dude, you know? every little bit of sustenance counts. That's right. Yeah. I don't Especially think you would ever a, target that on a wet year. Yeah, yeah probably not. not. I don't know. Maybe uh, the grass, but not the berries specifically. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. And who knows? It might be one of those things where uh, the year gets harder and harder as things push on, and maybe you couldn't target it on a wet year on December 15th, but on the 28th or 29th, mm-hmm. maybe right. it starts happening. Right. I don't know. Reserve. Yeah. But um, so we start putting some of these pieces together of, and you and I drove around, and we saw does underneath those things, public and private, in uh-huh. quite a few places. A bunch. Yep. Um, uh, you know, late in the morning. They'd be close to the road, too. Yeah, dude. Yeah. So, you know, it's like a thing that they are doing despite discomfort. Yeah. Like, those does don't want to be 80 yards from the road. But right. if that's where the food is and they have to eat it, they're going to do it. And, Hunter, you said you saw a deer. Oh, no. Did we? I don't remember. Somebody saw a deer leave a wheat field and go eat underneath the soapberry tree. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Eric, so, and I, Eric and I tried to cut some does off uh, the last morning. We were they looking, definitely were doze off for sure. We were <laughs> in between doze and off. We were trying to cut some doze off. <laughs> we watched him leave a wheat field, which I'm, you know, when you see a deer leave a wheat field, you think, well, okay, he's been, you know, he, she, him, hers, never know these days, been in there, 
I didn't ask. Whatever it wants. Yeah. Yep. Whatever it wants. It had been in there feeding for... Antlered or antlerless. That's how we there have we to go. refer to yeah. it. Yeah. A, yeah. a significant <laughs> amount of time. But they is it just... really an antler? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it even... Sorry, Hunter. Like, these does didn't go over there and feed for five minutes and leave. You know, they spent some time. Yeah. Um, and then we watched them funnel out of a wheat field. And I told Eric, I said, we can cut those does off because we watched another group do the same exact thing. I said, we can cut them off and let's, uh, let's, let's boogie because we got we to gotta do it quick. And so we left there and cut these does off. And they were hitting a oh, – coming over the top of a ridge and going down into a specific point of a draw. So we got to where we could see that draw. And that's when I put – the two and two together that those does were funneling to those soapberry trees and feeding under them yeah and then from there we uh set up to to make a go at them you know i've seen this thing happen before where um a food source becomes a social hub and then even after the food source dries up the deer still end up there and they want to hang out there for a little bit see it in kansas sometimes and i don't know if that's what's happening there or not but it's just kind of a point to, to talk about a little bit there where um sometimes uh, if you're like, man, why are these deer hanging out right here? I don't have a clue. It's because there was a factor two weeks ago that's not a factor anymore, but it still made a situation where there's a bunch of scent, maybe some scrapes or something there that makes mm-hmm. the deer want to be there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. See that around uh, in East Texas, around persimmons and stuff yeah. like that too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Corn piles. Corn piles for sure. <clears throat> Hunter, did you have a problem with arachnids? With a what? Arachnids. Arachnids? Yeah. I heard there's a few scorpions out there. I did not have any problems with them no scorpions at all no <laughs> oh uh, <laughs> i was thinking of the actual scorpion but oh, the, were you? i was the, too but i figured it out about five <laughs> seconds before he did the uh the performance of a scorpion yes i did do that i have i've perfected that i'm hoping that uh, one day when i'm too old to do this and work with the element that I'll go into the circus and just perform scorpions well, you, all day. Uh, <laughs> you, in fact, <laughs> for peanuts, like you're a bucket uh, biologist because you took scorpions from South Dakota and brought them to Oklahoma. I'm yeah, sure. I did. I, sure enough. <laughs> it. Rainbow trout going to end up I in the eastern <laughs> U.S. Oh. Hunter, why do you have such a hard time with falling? I mean, mm. you don't. It's I not that like you're not agile. Like you, you do fine. But oh like, no, I can bob and weave. It's just uh, the shortness of of the legs. Yeah, you think? you're yeah. not a. I mean, you're not short, but you're not a tall guy. No, you're like five eight. Yeah, I'm like uh, five seven, but eighty yeah. percent torso. Yeah, so. I'm the same kind of guy. <laughs> yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah, the legs move fast, just not tall. That's right. Yeah. You got a Nebraska walk that makes all sense. the time. <laughs> the, uh, somehow he can walk faster than any of us. <laughs> I don't understand it. <laughs> got a got a mission in mind so. that's it but i, I thought like you got a point to prove more than anything <laughs> no no i think that's, that's how just, you walk speaking of dragging y'all <laughs> speaking of correlation <laughs> his scorpions only happen whenever he's got that fast walk thing going on it's uh it's like they ain't quite made to do that but he's still oh, forcing it the, i don't know i don't know which scorpion would be the funniest one for me to view but the one that i did view in south dakota was the funniest thing i saw the whole trip dude if you don't know what a scorpion is it is when uh you know this is kind of a modeled after Rob Deerdick he uh, he explains this pretty well but it's when you fall and your toes or your heels click the back of your head or platform if you're using or a platform. saddle platform <laughs> <laughs> cruiser platform yeah is getting clapped yeah, yeah the, not good. Uh, I did it in South Dakota I did it on the first trip I went to Oklahoma 
by myself, but no one was there to uh, to laugh at me so I could lay there and cry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know it then. I broke some GoPro mounts. Uh, those are still somewhere in the abyss. We are hard on gear. We yeah. are. <laughs> so I picked up my feelings. I'm ready to show Paul my bow and just be like, look at this. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens after nine months. Yeah. All right. This is less than that. Four months. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We got Golly. Yeah. We got to beat on stuff. They broke the season. Yeah. The, and then as soon as I told Eric, I said, we got to make a move on them does. Let's go. He, you know, he gets a little clip of me leaving and shuts the camera off and at that moment i hang a stick with my foot and fall that takes talent too i knew i was going down so hard and so fast i just threw my bow because it was safer away from me than it was in my position safer away from you stepped on mine (laughs) i just did a gentle toss and feet hit my platform no it hit the it didn't even hit the platform i didn't have my platform we were observing yeah hit the spot it hit the spot scope and my binoculars came up and busted my front lip man all up i was spitting blood as we were running down this drainage towards some does (laughs) nothing makes me more mad hardly than getting slapped in the face by a stick in the woods man it hurts that's i would say electrocution is probably above that yeah i'm just yeah yeah i hadn't been electrocuted too many times i had a lot and let me tell you something it doesn't matter if it's the first or the one millionth time that you get touched by a 110 or a hot wire fence Mm. or something instant rage yep Insta rage. Yep. But something it summons up some kind it of does, dude. male deal. It ain't just like it ain't just an owl. Yeah. It's a I am it's, mad. I mean that's the same way I feel when I get the face slap. Yeah. It's like it's not just something that hurts. It's like, man, you came after my face. Yep. You know what I mean? Like it's like that's what it's boxers what girls do. do yeah. You know, yeah, they hit you in the face, yeah. you know? Yeah, oh. cheeks are frozen. So let's it's talk cold. let's talk about this. Um we made these assumptions around these soap berries and stuff like that, and kind of want to get to your story here, KC, because yeah. uh, it's really cool, and there's a lot of cool aspects to it. I was really glad I got to be a part of it, and I came along, decided oh, to come along. So um, let's talk about like why you ended up where you ended up, and kind of get to that point in the story. Here. Um, really, it's it, the huge part of it was because of uh, well, a fortuitous drive-by. Um, when Eric and I were there, made me say, huh, this looks a lot better than it does on the map. Uh-huh. And that's something that you can see a motif of. And you have to, it's not that there's anything wrong with uh, the map. It's that you have to start being able to read it a little bit better. Where um, you're like, man, that's kind of flat. And then you drive by, you're like, man, there's a few hills over there. You know, or like, yeah. man, look at those little trees. And then you drive by and you're like, golly, dude, look at all this grass and habitat and all yeah. this. You know, and that's kind of what Eric and I did on this place. Well, one thing you can't tell is the has it had the cattle been on it recently yeah. or not. A lot oh, of times, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. yeah, and I ended up talking to this rancher of this place, and he said, "Yeah, we take the cattle off, you know, in August." And I was like, "Well, that's pretty good." Yeah, you know, because not only do cattle graze down hard, but uh, that's another type of pressure that deer don't really like. Yeah, you know, a cow on a property not a big deal. One hundred yeah. cows on forty acres, a big deal. Yeah, Real there's a potential deal. that blue stem is still growing at that time of year yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. So. It's, I mean, it's a it's a it's a fall blooming plant, so yeah. that would totally make sense. But, anyways, um, fast forward to you and I scouting it out, hanging the camera on that water trough. Fast forward to getting some pictures to show that deer are using it in the daylight. Yeah, that was exciting. <clears throat> the camera framing was pretty good. It was. Uh, I don't think you could get much better with the conditions that we had 
you could have had a better angle, but there was some stuff in the way, right? But for everything we had, we determined which side of the water trough the deer were coming to more often, and then we determined um, what uh, the deer were doing on the way in there and where they were coming from somewhat, and the camera helped us do that, and we found a place to hang the camera. And then not only did we get pictures of bucks in the daylight, but we saw deer underneath the soapberry trees. Yeah, which we assumed. We had the assumption that they would there were be. There tracks and stuff. Because we knew there. there was green grass under yeah. that stuff. Mm-hmm. So we, we assumed that. That helped confirm it. Yeah. And then after that was waiting on the right wind. And, uh, you know, on uh, Thursday evening, one wind shift. That's it. And we ended up on public, public land. land. That's right. So um, <laughs> went in and... Uh, were they're kind of smaller trees but we'd been by them and looked at them some and knew that we could hang a saddle in a tree um but we go in there um kind of thinking that tyler and i are going to hang in the same tree and we're kind of debating because it seems like the deer are coming in to this water from two different trails <coughs> it's, it's best to hang in the same tree as a camera guy and hunter you know so yes. that you can communicate and this is stuff you know most people don't have to worry about right because most people are just hunting we're filming and hunting so uh, for one guy it's really just not even a debate except for the shots Uh, and we ended up setting up in separate trees because it would have been difficult for us both to manage in a small tree uh, and have the shots that we need and get it all on footage so I think it was your idea to hang in two different trees I hang in the most aggressive, knowledgeably aggressive tree. That's, That's it. it. Yep. Knowledgeably aggressive it because is. the wind was almost infallible for this tree. Had a south wind, and the deer were going to be coming around the south side of this thing. So just barely. Just barely. That's right. So no worries there. And uh, but I was as close as I could possibly get. There were some other trees that I could have got in between trails, but. I was as close as I could possibly get, <coughs> especially this one good trail. It's raining, by the way, guys. We're truck casting, so if you hear that, sorry. Um, I have a trail at 12 that's really good, and I have a trail at 44 that's also really good. 44 is a poke. I can shoot at daylight. I mean, I can shoot lights out at it, the house at 44. And it wasn't too windy. It wasn't very windy, but 44 on a whitetail is pretty far. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost would rather shoot one at 60 than 44 because if it's kind of still and quiet, he's going to hear that, that bow go off, and it might be kind of weird, uh, or hear the arrow coming, which is a whole other debate. Um, but either way, uh, we're pretty much hoping for the closer shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but a deer was going to have to come in and jump a fence and give me that shot as opposed to do something different and just go straight to the water. So... But we had the green grass on our side, and a deer that wanted to eat the green grass was going to come to the close trail. We ended up hanging with me right there, and you were like, what, 10 yards behind me? Yeah, almost 10 yards probably. Mm-hmm. And uh, we worked on our hand signals and visual confirmation, yep. worked on our <laughs> lip reading. We worked hard on that. Still yep. need a little work in that need department. Work I have that. tiny lips. I'm the worst <laughs> lip reader in the world. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I was trying to say a four-syllable word, I think, and that's just a little bit much. <laughs> yeah, if I had any advice for lip readers or people who aspire to be lip readers, it's to use, like, one and two-syllable words. Yeah, in one know? word. Yeah, yeah, like, go, 
Yeah. Um, now. Or Big no. Buck. We got that one real yeah, good. Yeah, we, we did. Knew exactly <laughs> what that was. Because it was a Big Buck coach. That's right. So, um, t- Tyler helped me out a ton because um, I needed to hang in a tree by myself. So, that means we are going to split sticks up. Uh, and we probably could have done it a little differently, but... I was real wary of leaving a stick in the place that it was on the tree uh, because a deer was going to walk like within 10 yards of this stick. Yeah. And it's, you know, we were using those uh, timber ninjas, which are real cool and real expensive, but they are awesome. You mm-hmm. know, thankfully, uh, we've been gifted some of those to use. Um, and uh, all it took was one stick with an aider. And I got up in my tree. My platform was like nine foot tall. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, Tyler, if you don't mind, can you take that stick off? And just leave the bare tree down there, and then you know later come back and you know put the stick back on. Yep. My belly was feeling real good, so I didn't have any too much concerns. However, that <laughs> is the major danger in taking your stick off of your tree, or you know injury or whatever uh, of you know emergency uh, deployment. But anyways, um, I'm up in the tree. Tyler goes and gets up in his tree, and uh, we actually sat there. And this is a thing that you and I do. You and I hunt together really well we've been doing it together for quite a long time so we kind of a think a lot alike but b can just sit there and just shoot holes and things until we find the exact best um option i coined a phrase last night i said you can shoot holes in the boat all you want but you gotta row sometimes i love it so might put that on a t-shirt who knows but uh we we stood around longer than i really wanted to talking about what to do and splitting up and where to hang and all this and that. We almost sat on the ground even, which I'm glad we didn't because we would have been toast. We would have been <laughs> not anything cool happening. Um, but we both get in our trees. We're hanging in our cruiser saddles comfortably, um, which is real nice. We've been talking a lot about how, Dad, come it, man, I want to shoot more deer from a tree, not less. And I've shot two deer this year, two bucks this year from the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's cool. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Wow factor, but it is hard. Ground hunting is not easy. Mm-hmm. Hunter can tell you. Hunter, you hung in a tree how many times on this trip? Not once. Not once? You never put your platform to a tree? I couldn't, no. Oh, there man. Was, the last evening, Eric and I had every intention of, of hanging in a tree, but the, there was not a tree or two trees close enough to split like y'all did Yeah. Uh, to where we could even get in a tree. Everything was tiny, uh-huh. just tiny and bare with no backdrop. So as soon as a deer would have gotten down there, we would have been just picked off. I could have never yeah. drawn. We did have a good backdrop. That's we what did. We it was beautiful. Oh, yeah. Well, the trees that we were in were crooked and weird. So like your whole saddle setup is perfect because you're yeah. leaning out just like those, like the same angle. Those trees are all leaning. Mm-hmm. Oh man. So I had great shots. Tyler had great ability to get footage, and <coughs> we actually are stationary probably. Um, I don't know about four thirty, maybe four forty which is pretty late in the day. And we hadn't been there 10 minutes probably. And I said, I uh, gave Tyler a click. I like, instead of whistling, I go like that. I don't know. Uh, it's just kind of the, the way I get people's attention in the woods, but I gave him a click and uh, told him that I saw some does, you know, quite a ways away, kind of staged up and they kind of disappeared. And we went back to just kind of swinging around, you know, and waiting on deer to come in. And then um, I look over and, uh, here comes a tiny deer down this fence fence row, and I'm thinking it's uh, um, I look just look at Tyler and I can already see he knows he's there. I didn't have to, didn't have to click him that time. Um, uh, I thought it was a 
a little yearling fawn, but you said it was a buck, and I put my binos on it, and sure enough, it was like a little forky, almost spike kind of guy. And, uh, you know, it's like second to last day of the hunt. I kind of got an itchy trigger finger, but I'm thinking, man, I've killed two deer this year, two bucks. Like, I don't really have to kill this buck. And then I'm like, it, man, I like to shoot stuff, you yeah. know? So I'm like weighing all this stuff out in my head, thinking, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to shoot this deer. And then I start thinking, about it. I was like, man, I don't I don't need to shoot this deer, you know? Like, I just can let him get older and grow and, you know, the whole that whole thing. And then uh, I looked back at Tyler after I thought about it for a while, and I said, you know what? Because I was planning on shooting a doe if I had a, a good doe if I had the opportunity. I looked back at Tyler, and I said, if it's perfect, I'll take the shot. I kind of mouthed perfect. Shot. I think you got the idea. Yeah, of what I, I got that one. Yeah, yep. uh, which meant uh, he's standing out there at 54 right now. I ain't poking mm-hmm. out that far. No, at no little buck. Um, so he and he just locks it up out there at 50 yards underneath one of these soapberry <laughs> trees, just eating grass, pulling dirt clods up, you know, flinging root balls. He is getting after it on this green grass. And all the while, I'm like, uh-huh, yeah, soapberries. Sure, they're eating soapberries, right? <laughs> and this little buck is definitely on the grass pattern, at least. Um, and he's, you know, doing little buck stuff, looking around and this and that. And all of a sudden, he whips his head up pretty hard and looks one direction. And I'm like, mm, there's a deer over there somewhere. And uh, I start looking around. I can't see nothing. I can't see a deer at all. And finally, this is another kind of cool thing about saddles is you can just – you don't need to move around a lot, right? You don't get seen if you do that. But you can adjust your body in different ways than you can in a stand because you're leaning against that thing. And I was able to lean out, and behind one of the trees that I have right in front of me, I see a rack, pretty good rack. And, yeah, I look back at Tyler, <laughs> and he's got his binos, and his eyes look like he's got scotch tape just pulling them open. <laughs> and uh, I say big buck, and he said, "Oh yeah, he you'd seen it before yeah, me, right?" Yeah, I was I was able to see it before you were. I could tell because it was past KC, so I was I was watching him still trying to look around, find this buck, and I see him. When I first see him, he's kind of looking down, like you know, a buck walking with his head down. He's coming in. He's probably like a hundred yards or so, maybe a little bit more. And then, like after like two steps, he just pulls up, and it's like. I'm like, oh, big buck, like yeah. high rack, man. I was thinking, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is this is happening right now. You yeah. Know? And shortly after uh, that, we got to watch him work a scrape, mm-hmm. uh, which was cool, you know. And uh, just you got some footage of that, kind of like that ruddy-ish type thing. And uh, you know, I, you can do with that what you wish. I kind of think it's the whole um, bell curve of rut activity. They're still kind of messing with scrapes and licking on branches because they still got a little testosterone. Um, he's not. You know, really making a new scrape or anything, but they they can't hardly pass up a licking branch, and that's what he was doing. Um, that deer came in from the direction that I thought I was going to have to take the long shot on him, mm-hmm. but um, thankfully he walked right past that trail and came over and jumped the fence to go eat green grass. And you made a good point that you thought the little buck might have helped us in that situation. Yeah, I think in the whole situation, I think um, it was a live decoy as they say and not that the deer was going to come in there because of him the deer was coming no matter what mm-hmm. but i think it made him a lot less wary um he was would have been a i would think he would have been a lot more alert and just you know on pins and needles being that it was pretty quiet mm-hmm. you know and confidence it was still early decoy. yeah it was just con- exactly a confidence yeah, it's decoy. like putting up that blue heron when you duck that's up, right, right man that's right <laughs> It's kind of funny, but it does. I mean, in that situation, at least for that little deer, it did seem to work, and yeah. he kept him distracted some too. Yeah, yeah. You know, like there were situations where 
like he would be looking at that other little deer and I could get away with touching my rangefinder and doing stuff which yeah. I almost messed it up because I was like this okay I'll say that in here in a second that buck jumps the fence comes in to eat um, the green grass and then uh, they're just like out there for forever just milling around eating green grass they're kind of like doing these little figure eight daisy chain kind of things a little bit where they're like the little buck's walking around the big buck he actually went over to him as soon as he saw him and like almost like uh subordinated to him did you know you know like as soon as mm-hmm. he saw the big buck coming in there he kind of like went over and yeah. like acknowledged him yeah it's kind of weird uh but then the big buck starts working towards us which is always a good thing uh and he's behind like a bunch of cover for me which is good in the sense that like i can get away with getting my bow and doing all this stuff um and I'm thinking, okay, it's quiet. The deer's getting closer. I know my range to my trail, but what if he, like, gets weird and runs out of here and looks back or something? I need to range a couple other things. I go to grab my rangefinder, and I'm being, like, super still and quiet, right? So I kind of just, like, kind of just barely grab this thing, you know, kind of soft. And I go to pull it up, and then the cord kind of grabs and pulls the rangefinder out of my hand. And it goes on my <laughs> chest. And I was like, oh, no, it's over. And then they didn't even hear it. I couldn't mm. believe it. But uh, I heard it. Yeah. Yeah, you heard <laughs> it from your street, didn't you? Yep. That's wild. And then so I got away with that and then ranged a couple other spots. Well, um, I guess old Buck decided he was getting a little thirsty. And he just starts kind of moseying over to us. But it took him forever. And I think, again, the little Buck helped us because he was behind him almost kind of pushing him not like a aggressive thing but the big buck kind of had the competition kind of thing going like okay I can, I'm going to go to the water first before mm-hmm. that little buck gets it and um, the big buck comes in at like mm, 18 yards and stops behind one of the trunks of the trees I kind of get my bow up and ready to draw and this is a thing that um, I have learned because of experience um releases squeak no matter if they're good bad or ugly not the metal you don't need that squeaking but like just that stuff on your wrist or whatever it can make a little noise right and i've shoot a cobra i love that hook release style that i have with that cobra it's it's effective i can find my d-loop without even um looking at it and Mm -hmm. that's what i did but what i did is i put that hook of that cobra through the d-loop and then put quite a bit of tension like i was probably pulling like eight or ten pounds against my bow right then that way i could get that squeak or uh, whatever you want to call it the noise it would make against my wrist mm-hmm. out of there because i knew i was going to shoot this deer real close um and at this moment i'm thinking okay i'm gonna get a shot at this deer yep, <laughs> you yep. know like it was it turned on at that point in time yeah and um he uh keeps on coming down that trail he's about to go to the water he comes out and clears and i'm thinking okay i can either try to like stop him here with my draw or i can wait and t- shoot him quarter away but a little bit further away and i'd almost decided to do that but then at he said at 15 yards he whips his head back and looks behind him because he had heard something back there probably other deer i don't know i wasn't looking anywhere else except right there at him and i knew that was my moment to draw because his attention was on something else and if you know the worst case scenario of course he could blow out because deer are weird but i believed the worst thing that was going to happen was that he would be like wait what was that and turn Mm -hmm. and look and that's exactly what he did but he was quite a bit less 
alert than what I thought he was in the moment. But when I draw, and he turns his head from backwards to looking my direction, but he's not actually looking up. He's looking down kind of at the base of my tree or beyond it because he doesn't really know what happened, right? He just kind of knows something moved over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, so goes the way of the element bros. Um, <laughs> it was about three-tenths of a second from draw <laughs> to error release. And I'm no, by no means endorsing this practice, but it's the way it happens sometimes. Whenever you feel good about it and things are settled, Ain't no reason to hold it no longer. You let that sucker fly, and that's exactly what I did. Um, I had a quartering two, and in the like, you know, the amount of time I had to make a decision, I went from drawing my bow, shooting him in the chest, in the front, you know, taking a frontal release, like in three tenths of a second. I mean, it's so so fast. It is. I couldn't believe how fast it actually happened, and uh, it worked perfectly. Oh yeah, smoked him in the chest. Blood immediately goes to flying. Red dirt is going everywhere. He tears out of there and then runs about 50 yards. Um, Captive audience, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. This deer runs about 50 yards and goes to try to jump the fence at full speed and doesn't have it. Doesn't have it in him to get over the fence because he's lost most of his blood, right? And um, he's his shoulder's a little messed up from a shot and all this. Hits the fence wires and accordions like a cartoon. It's uh, we have it in slow mo, which we probably won't release. We I don't we won't release. I'll go ahead nope. and say, it's gruesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the deer, I mean, without a doubt, was dead on his feet anyways. But we looked at it a bunch, and we think that he probably died just as much from a broken neck as he died from, um, you know, the air impact, which mm-hmm. is absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. Um. And, yeah, he hit the fence, bounced back about 15 feet, and just laid over dead. And it was over in, like, like I shot him, and within three seconds, the deer was dead on the ground. That's that's never happened for me, I don't think, uh-huh. at least where I could see it. You know, it's happened. Happened in South Dakota, but I didn't see the deer. But this time, it was like, it's like a shot of turkey with a shotgun, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> it's done. And... After that, the first thing that Tyler and I both did was cough our heads off. <laughs> we're trying to laugh and be happy, but we're just coughing so Dude, much. My mouth, I literally, I haven't done this very often in my life, but my mouth was literally gaping open. Oh, yeah. Like, I was just doing the whole, just, you know, lower jaw, hit the ground kind of look after he hit that fence. Oh, it's it was crazy, nuts, man. Just because it was all so compact and, like, man, it is pretty cool to shoot a heavy, Durable arrow, just didn't know that you can just shoot a deer wherever yep. you need to to hit the vitals, and that's yep. exactly what I did. You know, like and you got I, a you got a pass through. Yeah, you it poked through the other side. Yep. I shot a big old broad. Here's the deal, guys. We we actually got a little something something in mind for y'all for uh, some of you guys who still like to shoot expandables. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, keep that just in your back pocket. But um, I was shooting an expandable with this, and I shot I've shot them both right, and I will continue to shoot them both. Um, I shot that whitetail special, and it is pretty cool to shoot an arrow. Like we were shooting those vector, I shot a vector hammer into this deer, and no, no matter where you hit this deer, expandable fixed blade doesn't matter. You're going to get the penetration you need to kill that deer. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the reason expandables get a bad rap. It's not because they're bad; it's because people aren't using them properly. You mm-hmm. put 596 grains into a deer, expandable doesn't doesn't matter what it is. You're mm-hmm. going to get through there, and I mean. I 
overkilled him. You know, like it, it absolutely Dude, just it was demolished a destroying him. shot. <laughs> yeah, and so he ran out there, hit the fence, and uh, basically time, went like in the crease between shoulder and neck meat. Yeah, right? so I've, it's like if you were to take, you know, how you aim at the armpit on the back side of the shoulder. Uh, I kind of aimed at the cowlick on the front side of the side of the shoulder, and I hit him a little higher because I was aiming with my twenty, and I just, you know, I just did on the pin shot, and uh, it didn't matter, you know. I hit him right there, just demolished in front of the whole shoulder, mm-hmm. and it came and out like like probably four, three or, four or five inches. ribs back, yeah. yeah, something like that. Not, so it was like if you'd have hit him just broadside mm-hmm. where you exited, it would have been a double lung too. I think I cut every artery in his neck, uh, demolished one lung, and cut a little bit of the heart. So he didn't have much of a shot there, after was, that. There's, there's uh, something to cutting those arteries in the neck. There is, man. It is pretty. Pretty effective. Uh-huh. I've I've seen, like honestly, people talk about hitting him in the heart, but hitting him up in the um, like where the aorta and um, what's what is the other vein? Like the aorta is the artery, right? Like, mm-hmm. anyways, at the top of the heart, that's what's actually super duper effective, and that's mm-hmm. really more arteries than it is heart, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, you're cutting all the blood supply. If you go in, you just slice one ventricle. He's going to die, but it, it, he's going to run a little ways, mm-hmm. you know. But, like, yeah, man, arteries, whoosh, toast, and he absolutely was. And man. then that's uh, that's how it went. We got down. Ends up this sucker is an old, old buck. You know, I didn't pay much mind to him too much. I knew he was a shooter as soon as I saw him, so mm-hmm. now I try not to hype myself up too much. Um, and uh, I had to calm down for sure because I was getting pretty – pretty antsy when he's standing around out there at 55 but then when he got to about 25 i calmed down was ready to make a shot and uh, <coughs> sure enough um he was a probably six and a half year old plus deer uh felt of his tooth wear and just looking at his face and his body uh and his antlers he's got huge pedicles but kind of um not small antlers but relative to the to the pedicles they're not you know, as big. He's just a, a solid eight point with a high rack, gray face, scars all over his face, and his most unique feature um, is probably one of his ears is just demolished from years and years of fighting, almost like cauliflower ear at cauliflower ear on a you know a UFC fighter. Mm-hmm. It was it's wild. And the other one had a lot of scars on it too. So, yeah. I mean. Although my grandparents might not think so, a trophy for me. <laughs> it just ain't for a lot of them around here. We had some fun calls on the phone earlier, but uh, I absolute like you know one of my most memorable deer, Dude, probably me forever. Too. I mean, it was so cool. Uh, Tyler and I talked about it. Um, I love all these guys that we get to do stuff with, man. It's it's awesome, and it was great getting to share camp and do stuff. You know, eat, laugh, have fun. Hunter co- covered my eyes while I was driving yesterday. It was hilarious. Um, but, uh, like, it was really cool because the last time you and I were in a tree together and a buck went down, it was in 2017 on Nameless when I filmed that. That's a long time, dude. We got a new Nameless. That's right. He ain't, done, he ain't got no name. I don't know. He's pretty, he pretty much was floppy from the get-go. I mean, yeah, that ear yeah. was – yeah, that was one of the first things you could see. But it was pretty cool to just uh, – the OGs, you know, yep. we would said before we went up there, it's like, look, dude. These other guys are good. Get me and you together. We can put our heads together and find a way to kill a deer. 
because <laughs> it takes two of us compared to Hunter. He can just do it on his, on his own. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry about the huge cough. That's bad. Mm-mm. So, okay. I get the quick thumb. Sorry. <laughs> hey, take off, Tyler. <laughs> He's like, oh, where to go? Where to oh, go? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me just cover <laughs> up this Logie sound here. <laughs> Uh, Tyler, Tyler's a little squeamish when it comes to gross things, mm. so he's been having a hard time with me and my hacking and my yakking. Yep. But um, we uh. actually just made it home to old East Texas, yep. and uh, I actually have a daylighter on my property in one day left of season, at least one mm. huntable day left of season. So yeah, he's gonna go mess it up for you. Yeah, probably. <laughs> he's gonna go out there and just uh, play in the sand. He's gonna get but, some uh, spicy peppers. Uh, guys, be sure and if you haven't subscribed on YouTube, we really appreciate yep. that. Of course, the podcast you're listening, you're probably subscribed. If not, do that. Um, support the people that support us, for, uh, because that's what helps us do this thing. And I promise you. Uh, you won't be disappointed. Yeah. Thanks for chasing my chickens. Big thanks uh, to our partners this year, uh, for at least for 2021. Big thanks to Vector, Onyx, Cruiser, Cobra, Moultrie. We appreciate those companies. They've done a lot for us. They have given us a the ability to go do these hunts, to make these memories, which is very important to us, and um, to have some experiences that are just truly uh you know, once in a lifetime, every once in a while, you know. Dead gummit, man. Once in a lifetime is a weird term because it yeah. feels that way. But it, like, we've been blessed enough to like have more than one once yeah. in a lifetime thing. It's yeah. pretty cool. But yeah. uh, guys, I hope twenty twenty two is awesome so far. It's going to be probably the best year the element has ever seen. I'm going to call it now. Yeah, let's go. Let's, let's do go. it, babe. All right, so. Um, Guys, make sure you're making the most of your opportunities. Get out there. Hunt hard if you still have a season. If you don't, it's okay. Relax. Spend some time with your family. But uh, make sure that uh, you're always getting ready to rock and roll because before we know it, they're going to have velvet heads, and then they're going to be an open season to go hunt on. Mm. So remember that, and remember, this is your element. Live in it. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Market House has the cleanest, leanest, juiciest meat and seafood shipped to your home overnight. Expect the service of a local butcher and the convenience of a large supplier. Unlike many online butchers, you can grab just one meal's worth or lock in for a subscription box. Choose from grass-fed and grass-finished beef, American Wagyu, free-range poultry, grass-fed lamb, wild-caught king crab, seafood, and more. For 15% off your first order, use code COUNTRY at checkout. Just visit MarketHouse.com. That's M-A-R-K-E-T-H-O-U-S-E dot com. And use the code COUNTRY.